Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Drive Through FM. It's a little bit late, but now that I'm late, I'm back on my original schedule of doing these sort of at the beginning of the month. So I guess it all kinds of works out. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. I've been working on a couple of topics uh, that are, I guess, more meteor topics. Something I just got to do a little bit more, not really research, but just kind of think about more and play a couple more games and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I thought I'd go with sort of a lighter topic. Uh, today I'm going to talk about like my top 10 favorite gaming podcasts or gaming media kind of thing. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about like any review channels or anything. Uh, I'll talk more about my thoughts behind that. But it's mostly going to be like podcasts and then stuff that it, maybe it's on YouTube, but it's more like a podcast. So it's kind of more like lifestyle based and not just, you know, review stuff. So we'll get to that at the end. But I do want to talk about a few games uh, before we get started. And since the last uh, drive through FM, I've done, let's see, three reviews and then also some coverage of some uh, tabletop terrain. I talked about uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Mother of Dragons. It's a new expansion for Game of Thrones. Absolutely love it. Uh, plays great at the lower player counts, which kind of fixes some of the problems from the base game. Got some real thematic kind of nooks and crannies. You can play as the Targaryens and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, definitely go take a look at that review if you missed it. And I definitely uh, recommend it if you're a fan of the base game. This is almost like a must-get. Uh, also talked about, like I said, some terrain for Warhammer Quest Blackstone Fortress. And there's a couple out of Australia that have uh, 3D printed designs that you can just get the designs. Or you could just get uh, order the pieces directly from them. They'll print them out. There's a couple of weeks sort of a backlog on that, I guess. They've actually ordered some new printers, they told me. There is a uh, promotional code that you can use. I'll put the code in the description below this on uh, the YouTube video, as well as in the description on the podcast and so on. And it's Drive Through Games 15. And if you use that code on either of their sites, then you'll get 15% off which makes it it's already pretty affordable and i think it if you just were to like order the pieces it's going to make it about 40 dollars us and then a little bit of shipping on top of that uh, but it definitely is a great deal and again i have the video up on the channel and i've painted them all up and put them into the game and everything and it looks really cool i think uh, and it just really kind of brings that game to life so that's uh, the blackstone fortress terrain and I'll put links to their websites, of course, uh, in the description as well. I'm, I'm kind of saying that as a reminder when I edit this to make a note. Uh, the other two games that I've reviewed uh, is Claustrophobia 1643. This is a, kind of the new edition of Claustrophobia, which came out about 10 years ago. Uh, definitely some improvements and iterations on the game design itself. You get a lot more miniatures and all that stuff. The components all around have been upgraded. Uh, really, really enjoyed this game. Claustrophobia is already one of my kind of all-time favorite games. Uh, I kind of it sort of implanted a little bit of that miniature gaming DNA into me, I think, uh, way back when. Uh, so definitely take a look at that game. There is a Kickstarter coming up here, I think, in a week or two weeks from the time you might hear this podcast, if you're kind of listening to it in real time. And so they've got... Their Kickstarters are very straightforward, which is nice. Uh, you just pledge for the game, and that's it. There's no stretch goals. There's no, like, fancy add-ons, and there's no, like, oh, gosh... You know, I already put in 100 bucks. If I put another 150 bucks, I'm going to get these add-ons and then I'll be broke and then all this stuff. And like, is the game actually good? I don't know, but maybe I should put it in. This game, I mean, in my opinion, it's good. And you just put in, you know, I think it's about 100 bucks for the game uh, with shipping. And uh, then you can get it. And I think they're going to be also funding some cool uh, sort of extras. This is going to actually fund some music and stuff for it. So there might be some other kind of bells and whistles with this one. But at least with the first campaign... Uh, it was just a very, very straightforward uh, campaign and very satisfying, in, in uh, my opinion. And the last one I just reviewed uh, this past week was Rangers of Shadow Deep from the designer of Frostgrave. But this is very, very unique, very different. It's I want to say it's the first of its kind. There's been other games that do this, but this is really from the ground up, uh, designed to be a co-op or multiplayer, uh, or excuse me, solo player, uh, dungeon crawl miniatures tabletop game so it's not really a dungeon crawl because you're playing like miniatures with terrain and all that kind of stuff uh, but it's a co-op or it's solo and you play through an adventure and there's multiple adventures out now for it and you can just take you know whatever miniatures you've got if you've got descent you've got a bunch of stuff for Frostgrave or warhammer or whatever 
you can throw it in, throw some terrain on the table, kind of set the table up, uh, you know, based on the scenario and the story. And it's a very uh, kind of linear story in some ways, but there is some replayabilities. There's like an event deck mechanic that you use a normal deck of 52 cards. Lots of cool, smart little things in here and really just a blast to play. Uh, so that's Rangers of Shadow Deep there. I can tell you, uh, I was hoping to get a review out for Gugong uh, prior to this, uh, but it will be dropping probably a day or two after you listen to this. Uh, Gugong is uh, brought over by Tasty Mitchell Games if you live in the U.S. It's a design by Andreas Stedding, who did Hansa Teutonica, which I really liked. I believe he also did uh, Stouffer Dynasty or something like that. I can't remember the name of that one. That was That was a really cool game, but it didn't have many copies printed of it. Uh, but Hansa Teutonica I really enjoyed back in the day and my game group really liked it. Gugong is a Euro. It's got a real kind of weird twist, which seems to be kind of Andreas Stedding's uh, sort of uh, DNA. Is you kind of take a Euro and, you know, you go, oh, that looks like a Euro. And then he has this really funky mechanic. You know, Euros are kind of like that where it's like, hey, we've got a little funky mechanic. It's a twist on the thing you've seen a hundred times. But for some reason, his stuff seems to be even funkier to me. Uh, so... Wait, wait for the review on that because it's talking about the mechanics, you know, verbally, audibly, is probably won't do it good, uh, good service. But really, I'm really enjoying Gugong. The only thing I'd say about it now is I do not like it whatsoever with two players. But once you get three, four, and five, I haven't actually played it with five. Um, then, uh, but I friends in my game group have played it with five, and they really they said no, it actually works pretty well with five. So that's kind of nice to have a good game that works with five. Um, but yeah, definitely look for the Gugong review here dropping uh, in a day or two. So let's talk about some reviews of games that uh, you won't see a uh, video for. And let's start with a good one. And then I'm going to do three that I did not like. So a little bit different than last month where I reviewed a lot of games that I, I liked. I actually did like. And, you know, it's just one of those things where they didn't kind of meet the cut kind of thing. But I still recommended uh, to, you know, varying degrees. Uh, the games from uh, last month's podcast. Uh, not so much this week, <laughs> this month. Uh, so the first one that I did really like um, is a game called Coimbra. And this came out li late last year. Didn't get a chance to play it. My group's been uh, pretty much raving about it. Uh, not everybody's really hot on it, but a few people really, really have enjoyed it. And I said, let's let's play this. I got to play this because uh, folks online have asked me about it. Have you played Coimbra? You know, it was, it was like my game of the year and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So you get asked enough. For something and you got to you know you got to pay attention a little bit <laughs> uh so we got a chance to play that we played it with four and i gotta say i really did uh enjoy it i talked to uh there's a couple that comes to our game not every week and they've played it to two player a whole bunch and they really enjoyed it two player and just from playing the one game i can see how uh it should work you know just fine with two player it's a little bit on the abstract side for me but not like enough that I wouldn't recommend it. Like I, if you like Euros at all, um, I would definitely take a look at Coimbra. It's a real interesting kind of, uh, you roll a giant pool of dice and then players will sort of draft and pick the dice and they put them in these like little trays of their player color. And then they put them in these little spaces where you can sort of like buy cards and tiles and things to sort of move your little adventure around and uh, go up these different income tracks and stuff. And then the color of the dice and the color of the dice will dictate like which kind of income you get at the end of the round, but the number on the dice is like the cost of the cards that you're gonna buy. So the cost of the cards isn't fixed, it's based on the dice that you choose. But the higher dice that you choose, you get first pick of the cards uh, before everybody else gets to go. So it's real interesting. And then there's a lot of uh, sort of combo things and stuff, which I would call like very Euro stuff. You know, you move your guys around and you get bonus points for doing things and all that, you know, kind of point salad stuff. But it's really cool, it's really fresh and interesting. And I think this is probably my favorite uh, from these designers. Now, the people that like designed this and Lorenzo and Newton, and I think even some some of those like will bleed across. And they did Zolkin or Teotihuacan. So there's like a crew of designers there. I don't, I don't like followed all the threads or the ancestral tree of who does what, but it seems like there's a group of them. And then like there's always like two designers on a game, and they'll uh, you know move back and forth. One will help on the other and help on the other one. Uh, this is probably, I think, my favorite recently uh, from kind of that that crew. And maybe I'm talking out of my rear end here, but we were talking about the other day game night. We're like, well, didn't this guy, he worked on 
Lorenzo and this other one, well, he worked on Zolka. No, he worked on Lorenzo with this guy and stuff. So we we're trying to figure out who was what. And we didn't bother to pull up BGG, but Coimbra definitely is, uh, I think kind of my favorite. I did enjoy Newton. I did enjoy Lorenzo. I believe I did a video for Lorenzo. I'm not sure. It's been so long. And uh, so, yeah, but I really did enjoy Coimbra uh, quite a bit. It's got real kind of uh, simple, you know, core turn structure, but then the weight of your decision and all kind of the implications of everything of what you do uh, is really cool. And there's just a lot of kind of satisfying things that you can do. It's it's one of those euros where like, oh, I did this and it's satisfying and I did this and it's satisfying. You don't ever feel like you're getting hosed. So the brutality end of it isn't there. But you maybe didn't do something, you know, as good as you could have done if you did something else. But it's still satisfying to do. So that's my one good one. Uh, let's jump into three games. And I don't want to beat up on these games, but man, I really did not like any of these. And I was uh, disappointed that I didn't like them because I was really thinking I would going into them. Uh, the first one is Judge Dredd, The Cursed Earth. So Judge Dredd is a comic book character and there's been a couple of movies about him. I really like Judge Dredd as a a character and an IP it's just he's sort of funny to me uh, so if you don't know about Judge Dredd definitely watch the Dread movie from 2012 it stars uh, uh, Lena Haiti from Game of Thrones she plays a really really bad person in that movie as well uh, it's really cool it's really kind of over-the-top action and stuff and she's great in it and then the the guy I can't remember his name Carl something or other he plays uh, Judge Dredd and it's an over over the top, uh, super violent, uh, but almost like borderline humorous violent uh, movie. And so this game is based on the same system as the Lost Expedition, which is also from Osprey Games. And I didn't like that one either, but I was I knew there were some new mechanics to this one. There's kind of like a psychic phase, if you will, uh, to what you can do. And I kind of almost liked Lost Expedition, but. This one still has the kind of the same problem for me is I never really felt like my choices mattered that much. It's going to be kind of a running theme with these three games. Uh, so you just kind of flip out these cards, and then you uh, you get these cards that you have to play like in order to resolve. Uh, and they're, they're differently number numbered cards, but you're you're dealt with a certain number of them based on the number of players and stuff. And because you can play it solo or, or co-op. And then you have to play them, and then you order them in a certain way, and then you have to resolve them in a certain way. But allow different abilities allow you to like skip other cards or get and lose resources uh, that you need to spend to sort of beat the other cards, and then move your little token through them on this kind of like adventure. But there just always was lots of situations where I just felt like there's no good choice here, and it was just the worst choice, and it was just like getting hit over the head again and again and again and again. And so that's really. You know, I I really was hoping to like this because of the theme and because some of the uh, other mechanics that you could do where you can kind of like see into the future, so to speak. But even so, I, man, I just really didn't have a good time playing the game. And the designer has done like lots of other games that I've liked. He were Sindas Volk and The King is Dead. And th those are really the two games that I really enjoy both those games. I still have both those games in my collection. Uh, but yeah, I just... Man, I just did not enjoy this one whatsoever. It just felt like I was the handcuffs were just too too strict for me on this particular game. So that was Judge Dread: The Cursed Earth. On the other hand, on the other side of the coin, there's a new game out coming out from the designer of Race for the Galaxy, Tom Lehman. He also did New Frontiers, which I really enjoy, and it's called Res Arcana. Uh, it's a new game from a new publisher, Sandcastle Games. And this is kind of a resource conversion game. It's based in alchemy. And there's a big stack of cards in the center of the table, a bunch of like magic items. And then there's like these big uh, massive quest cards that you sort of thing that you try to go on. And you get a hand of cards, or I should say like a deck of cards. And then that's like your deck for the game. You have these 10 cards. And then you get each character gets a, or excuse me, each player gets a choice of one or two mages and then they pick one and that gives you kind of a special ability for the turn and then you just get and like convert resources the whole game and you, the turns are very quick you just like take an action and you uh you know either discard a card to get some resources or you play the card and you pay for it with the resources and then you'll have more cards in front of you that have little actions that you can do on your turn so you kind of like tap the card and then do the action and eventually what you want to do is take cards that are worth points. So there'll be some monument cards, like I said, some like giant quest, sort of big achievement cards that cost a lot of resources. 
And there's like little dragon monster type cards that you can attack to the other players and they'll lose a life resource, which is just one of the different resources that you can get. Or if they want to block it, they maybe have a card they can tap or they can discard a card to block it and so on. In this game, kind of on the other hand of it, it was like a little bit not brutal enough um, because, well, except for the case where maybe somebody gets a dragon out early and you don't really have anything out to sort of defend against it. But once you do, then it's not as big a deal because it's like, oh, I have the card tapped. That card does nothing for the rest of the game, basically. Um, but it was just so easy to sort of just get resources and just turn them in and build a little engine and just kind of run with it. And it was really just the deal of the cards. Because once you like, you get your deck of cards, you have 10 cards, you're like, okay. So I definitely need to get this card out first and then this card and then this card. And you shuffle up your deck and then you draw and you're like, why well, didn't get that card? So sh dig, get the card, get your engine going. And it's just a race. And you're pushing and doing lots of fun things like, you know, converting resources and doing all this kind of stuff but it just to me it lacked complete tension whereas the judge dread game was like constant like the game is trying to kill me the this game was just kind of after the first few turns kind of going through the motions just racing to see like who happened to get a slightly better engine than the other player and you know the, the like i said there is a little bit of interaction with the dragons and stuff but then you just kind of like are burning through your engine. Like, okay, you did this, I did this. You did this, I did this. You did this, I did this. Oh, you got enough for these now. And then you can go. Because once you get all the cards out, there's not really, how do I say this? There's not really like a hidden surprise that, oh, well, I can let me look at your cards for a minute. Yeah, you're going to get that big achievement in like three turns. So, um, you know, then you just know not to go for it. Or maybe it's too late by the time you realize that. So, yeah, it just seemed kind of like after the beginning, the rest of the game was going through the motions. So everything was kind of like front-loaded into the game, uh, especially, I think, if you did the drafting variant, because typically the normal rules is you just kind of deal out 10 cards, and then there's that, and you have to build your deck out of it. I thought that was that's the part that's kind of neat about it, where you get your 10 cards, you're like, okay, what is my best engine here? And you figure it out. But then you shuffle the cards, so you just go, okay, well, maybe I got the card, maybe I didn't, and I want to dig through it and discard cards or draw cards. Yeah, so I don't know. It was it's okay, but I just the way that the game ends just makes me not like it because I there's nothing. It's like all all like premeditated setup stuff in my brain, and then we just kind of play. And like I said, the interaction is just sort of almost not even there. So that's Res Arcana. And the last game is probably my most biggest disappointment, and that is Comanauts. I was really looking forward to this game. I had a chance to demo it at uh, Gen Con. And it, the, the premise of the game, and I might still recommend the game for somebody that was really interested in this. So basically, there's a doctor, a professor, or, you know, mad scientist almost, who slips into a coma because he's trying to build this large, like, technological device to save the Earth. Uh, from kind of uh, environmental type of disaster kind of thing. Well, through that process, he ends up slipping into a coma and then triggering this device like too early, let's say. And then that's actually creating like a black hole is going to destroy the Earth. So they have this technology in this future world where people can kind of go and interface uh, psychically and psychologically uh, with sort of a, a compatible person. So whatever for whatever reason, you and the other players at the table... Uh, have uh, been identified as being able to match up with this uh, doctor and you kind of go in as sort of a inception kind of idea where you kind of get into their thought process and you go into their imagination and their sort of dream world and you walk through a bunch of their memories and uh, different sort of like sort of uh, psychological traumas from their history and uh, from what I can see, nothing like too serious, um, just kind of random things that might be sort of a psychological trauma. You know, maybe somebody yelled at you or you were at some weird place, but nothing like physical or abusive or anything uh, that I could see. Uh, but for some reason, uh, there's these spirit kind of things or something that is amplifying those events to a point of like, you know, almost attacking this doctor. So you get in there, and everything's kind of exaggerated and distorted, and it's almost like a cartoon world in a way, or, or something like that. So everything's kind of blown up. And so you're kind of walking through these different pages on this giant book, 
and each one of those is like one level or one scenario in the campaign and you're trying to you go in there and you do, can you do combat and stuff and you kind of unlock puzzles and stuff and not necessarily puzzles but you like you can search areas and do things like that um so that super got me excited about it and when i played the demo at gen con you know it's like oh this thing's really neat and you it's based on the stuffed fable system which uh jerry hawthorne the designer also did and that's more of like a kid's game so this is sort of like stuffed fables for adults i guess you could say um and so the the core of the game is is you have a giant bag of dice with different colored dice and you take those out and you can spend them on different things like certain dice will allow you to do fighting other dice will allow you to do anything other dice will allow you to uh, move around well any dice allows you to move around and stuff like that certain dice will search and so you roll the dice and you have to beat a number but like that's kind of the problem of the game for me is I tried, tried to play this twice now since Gen Con and every time every game there was like a couple of turns in a row where it was just like eh, it doesn't even matter what I'm doing here because either I draw a bunch of dice that I can't really do much with at all and and then I roll and it's like oh you failed that and then we don't really get like a recourse to do anything about it and I don't know the couple of scenarios that I played uh, were interesting but they were also just like not I felt kind of like detached from them and I don't know the, the one we played at Gen Con was a little bit more interesting because you were like in in the kid's house uh, the, the doctor's house when he was a kid and so that was you know interesting to me um, and these other ones were these different events and you know they were he was like more of an adult or a teenager in those events and so they were just super like vague and abstract and stuff so I felt like I was just at that point it kind of detached a little bit from what was going on and it was more just like a weird kind of real simplistic combat game um, or like a very simplistic dungeon crawl where you move here oh did you search the treasure what well, wouldn't be a treasure it would be some uh, you know some you'd find some person or something in the crowd or something like that and I'm trying not to spoil stuff because I think eventually if you just wanted to kind of like play through it robotically which sounds harsh then you could kind of get through maybe an interesting story where you kind of put all the pieces together but because of the mechanics kind of get in the way of that where uh you're kind of going through the motions after a little bit of just like okay we've got to get over here and roll i failed oh that failed so i got to go turn to this page and then it's just like again it's kind of taking the choice and the agency i felt a little bit out of like i'm going to make a decision to like oh we've got to go and talk to this person that person's really important or we've got to go fight this sort of demonic psychological being uh, because that's important and there was no like real investment of like oh i'm making a clever decision here or i'm seeing some link between these two pieces of the puzzle to repairing this psyche it was like that you're kind of being told the story which is okay but then the mechanics kind of got in the way and removed the choice and stuff out of that and so i think i was expecting more of and again i only played it twice you know um maybe as you you can move along there a bit of some more interesting scenarios with some more dynamic decision making and stuff where the whole dice combat draw the dice search stuff fight stuff wouldn't get as much in the way um but as it stands that's it just kind of all kind of did so i guess kind of this sort of is more like the judge dread game this commonauts game where it's just like i feel like a lot of choice and stuff is being removed from my possibility right i i just can't i'm just a little bit too much stuck in the roller coaster and riding it and not having a good time while i'm doing it whereas the res arcana is like well it's just the world is your oyster but you just set it up and go and then after a while it's like well i didn't really get a chance to fight anything i didn't really get the chance to fight against anything uh, so I just like general is just like a lack of agency with all three of these games for me um, so yeah so I think there may be folks that like Judge Dredd because if you're really a big Judge Dredd fan maybe you get a kick out of it and kind of playing through some familiar places Res Arcana you might like I think if you maybe Res Arcana would be good as sort of a lighter uh, maybe not a gateway but like a next step sort of game because uh, it's you know a little bit more complex than a gateway I guess but um but that could be a fun game if somebody hasn't played a resource conversion game a lot then that probably would be a decent little starter and Comanauts, if you're really into that story and that theme sounds really interesting which to me it really is then you know maybe i would recommend that
Anyway, so let's take a quick little break here and then I'll kind of come back with my top 10 favorite gaming media and try not to get myself into trouble <laughs> for not mentioning certain people, but there's a method to my madness. Okay, so let's go over my top 10 favorite gaming media. So like I said at the beginning, there's not gonna be any like review channels or anything like that. Uh, there's not gonna be any battle report channels because what I did is I actually broke this into two groups of five. One is gonna be uh, the board game, like the top five board game things. And then the other one's gonna be top five, basically like Warhammer things. Cause there's not really a lot of like miniature agnostic channels other than I would say Gorilla Miniatures Games who does battle reports which I'm leaving out of this because in the miniature world like battle reports are kind of like the reviews of board games so but uh, Gorilla Miniature Games he does battle reports for like everything you can think of like very obscure indie games you know he's kind of what introduced me to Frostgrave in some ways most places are either 40k battle reports or kill team battle reports and there's very little Age of Sigmar battle reports out there although there's some and then I also want to preface this because I know a lot of people in the board game media world, of course, see them at conventions and stuff, and I'm friends with some of them. I have been asked about it. I've mostly been asked about it in regards to the miniature stuff because, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been getting into miniature gaming more, and people will find it through watching my channel, and they say, what's a good, like, miniature place to go and, you know, learn more about that a little bit more in depth? And so I usually recommend a couple of those. So I thought I would just talk about them in the podcast. And literally there's five of them. And I was like, well, I should do the five, you know, board game podcasts that I really like. So the five board game ones are going to be just podcasts. The miniature stuff is going to be a mix of stuff. It's podcasts and kind of like YouTube channels that are basically might as well be podcasts. And again, this is just stuff that's like in my rotation. This is stuff that I listen to. I listen to all 10 of these things every week. It keeps me occupied on my commute to work at lunch or whatever and you know so this is stuff that keeps me going i just listen to and uh you know sometimes i'll fast forward it they're talking about something i already know about like if they're reviewing a game on one of these podcasts i'm like i already know about this game fast forward <laughs> and then get to the next thing you know uh so anyway let's jump into it and so again these aren't really in order this is just kind of in my rotation we'll do the five board games and then we'll do the five miniature related things or the warhammer related things really uh so the number five ish is uh shut up and sit down which is obviously a big review channel on youtube for my tastes and i please i swear to god if any of them ever listen to this i like their podcast a lot and i like it way more than their reviews and i was saying they do bad reviews i just really like the podcast the podcast is why i like them i like their sort of uh casual off the cuff banter and i get a better appreciation for them i think as people and gamers and that kind of stuff than I do with the reviews because the reviews are very entertainmently what is that a word entertainmently scripted to sort of present a point and kind of like you kind of go like on a journey through the reviews of like a roller coaster that do the big twist which drives me a little crazy <laughs> when they do that but that it is what that is that's entertaining but on their podcast they often 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 talk about lots of obscure little things uh, I can think of off the top of my head, they had the parlor game thing, which I know they just posted some videos from their Shucks convention. Um, there was like a book of parlor games from like the 1930s or something. And then they built a sort of a championship around that. And then they talked about it like a game that was like a cooking games where you would uh, cook the stuff and eat it. And, but it was a game and just things like that. They do a lot of stuff like that on the podcast and talk about just weird quirky things. And they talk a lot, a lot about games that won't get to on the review channel and i'm saying this out loud now uh, probably that's a little bit of inspiration for my podcast where i was doing it because i was getting to the point where like i don't want to review these games like there's too many games now like a year or two ago remember i went through that whole midlife reviewer crisis thing well i was like you know what i could just talk about these games on the podcast and i don't have to spend hours and hours and hours doing a video I, and people can still know what i think because i get asked and stuff like that and i thought that was a good thing you know just review the stuff that really stands out to you in, in some way and then you can still talk casually about 
the other games, which is like how my game group talks about games. You know, we, we don't sit there and like get hypercritical about it, which I think there's merit to doing that. But on the other hand, it's also like, these are games. It's not politics or the world order or anything or some very serious topic. It's just a casual, yeah, like, I don't know. I like that kind of bit, a little bit. Well, this I like this part. I didn't like that part. You know, very casual. So I like that. It kind of reminds me a little bit of sort of how my game group talks about stuff. So it's nice to kind of hear that. But some other people that I don't really know talking about it in the same way. So that's the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. And um, the next is, uh, number four, I guess, is the Ding and Dent podcast. And these guys, uh, Charlie and Raph... Um, they also, well, I know Charlie does writing for Geek and Sundry and stuff like that and Miniature Market, or used to do for Miniature Market, I think. And uh, so he's kind of like a very, a very professional reviewer. Like Charlie's one of the better like reviewers that I like. Uh, these guys, though, I feel like I line up with their sort of style of gaming. They play a lot of miniature games. Uh, Raph certainly plays a lot of Kill Team and uh, Warhammer, Shadespire, Underworld stuff. And Charlie has kind of that mix of Ameritrash. He's more of an Ameritrash gamer. He likes some heroes, you know. And then Raph's kind of all over the place. So they're they're very much like an omni-gamer style. They, you know, they're all over the place. They like different things. Sometimes they agree, sometimes they don't. And I feel like they're probably the, the most like kindred spirit to me out of anything on this, miniature or or board game related, where they, they like kind of all the stuff. And they kind of look for some of the same stuff in games. And I don't, frankly, always like agree, or we don't have the same taste on everything. But I get a good sense from them about, you know, sort of their lifestyle and stuff. I feel like it's similar to mine. You know, they're not pro reviewers. They don't do this as a full time job, but they do try. They have a passion for games and a passion for just all kinds of games. They'll also talk about weird, quirky stuff, and they really talk about it in a way that. I can relate to that to me is like okay i feel like these either of these folks would be in my group and you know again they, they kind of talk about it in the same way that we talk about it and uh you know just the the descriptive language that they use as opposed to some other things is feels very natural and very organic to me and again this is kind of why we're that you know the shut up and sit down podcast versus the reviews this is also very much more organic but these guys they they really kind of line up with I think, you know, the way that they approach things. So that's the Ding and Dent podcast uh, with Charlie and Raph there. Now, in a similar sense, the number three here is uh, Rolling Dice and Taking Names with Marty and Tony. And I got to say, uh, with this one, the number three and the number two, I'm actually really good friends with uh, Marty especially, and then another fellow from the other one, the number two. So there's a little bit of bias here. I just kind of like hearing Marty and Tony talk because we see each other at conventions and it's just like, oh, that's right, Marty and Tony. You know, I feel like they're they're still kind of like with me in spirit. So that's a nice thing. And I think that's why some people listen to some of these podcasts and things. I know like I've sort of made friends with people. Uh, it's very touch and go and a little bit tricky because, you know, we just talk like on Facebook or Twitter, not Twitter, but uh, Facebook or Instagram or something. Uh, people that have just watched my videos, and that's the only way I've known them. I've never met them in life, but, you know, you friend them on Facebook or whatever or something, you see them at a convention, and then, like, you go, oh, well, you have this in common with me, and then you're like, well, I guess we're kind of like buddies now. So that's nice. And so I kind of get that with uh, Marty and Tony. I think a lot of people get that. That's kind of my point is, you know, you after you listen to somebody for a while and, or you watch them on YouTube, you kind of feel like you know them a little bit, and in this case, I do kind of know them. Uh, so it's nice to kind of be reminded of like, hey, there's I got my friend over there, you know, across the country. So other than that sort of giant long caveat, I really do enjoy listening to Marty and Tony specifically talk about lawnmowers. They always talk about lawnmowers every podcast. They never fail to disappoint. Um, that's a little bit of an inside joke if you don't listen to them. But they will tend to go off and... Uh, you know, onto these strange tangents, and they 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 genuinely have a good sense of humor about everything that they're talking about. And I also like the way that they do the reviews because they don't really do reviews like you know most people will do a review of a game. They do like this five minute initiative stuff where they just get in and they get in and get the 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 nitty gritty and the meat of it out. Uh, then they'll do the the squirrel segments where they just talk about all kinds of stuff. 
which I think they've sort of developed like the natural way of talking about things on a podcast, um, just like all these other podcasts that are out there, but they've really sort of taken it and twisted it and says, you know what? People like to jump topics all the time on a podcast because they do. If you listen to any, any conversation, there's a lot of rambling and stuff back and forth. Well, they said, well, let's do the squirrel segment. I mean, all the podcasts do that. I do that. I would just want on a giant tangent. But and so they, they've kind of really sort of evolved that over the last several years. And so I, I really enjoy that. It makes it very easy to digest and pick up and leave. Because like I said, I listen to stuff on my commute. So, you know, I pull into work. and I'm like, eh, I don't want to leave yet because they're on the segment. And then so I'll listen for a couple minutes and then go in. And then so it's very easy. The, the way they sort of like outline stuff is very, very effective, I think, uh, with the whole podcast format. And they also are one of the few that I really do enjoy listening to interviews of like designers and publishers uh, on. Uh, well, except for my number one, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so they do a really nice job, and they're one of the few that that really, when they do an interview, I'm like, oh, now I'm just going to hear an ad, you know, for an hour. But they 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 do a good job with their interviews as well. So anyway, that's uh, Rolling Dice and Taking Names with Marty and Tony. The number two is the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast. And again, this is a little bit of, I get to hear uh, Jamie and the, the crowd there uh, and Jamie and I have become close friends over the last few years. I've gotten to know Steve and Chris just a little bit and Tony and stuff, just hanging out very briefly at conventions. So again, it's very nice to hear uh, Jamie's voice and the rest of the folks. And, uh, and again, it's just the whole friend thing. And I think the Secret Cabal kind of embodies that. Uh, and they really chase after that and lean into that where they have like a larger extended family and community based around their podcast. They do these awesome events at origins and Gen Con, you know, everybody that listens is a Kabbalist. And so they really, I think, try to engage it as, um, you know, not just like we're here doing this and we're reviewing games and we're a certain way. It's like, no, this is a community of gamers and we've got our own little smaller community within that community of the secret cabal folks and trying to bring energy and positivity and all that stuff. And they, when you listen to the podcast, they just sit in like, sorry for my friends, they just sit in bullshit <laughs> for like three hours. And, you know, these are one of the things where they get into the review and then they'll go over like the mechanics and like fast forward, fast forward, forward. And then they start talking about how they feel. And Chris and Jamie will go back and forth. Chris will hate it or Jamie will hate it or Steve will kind of like, you know. And so they, they break things out. And just the banter back and forth with the larger crew of them uh, is why I listen to it. I listen to it just for them bullshitting back and forth. That's the main reason that I listen to it. Um, you know, they'll open up with, these are the games we played, blah, blah, blah. And they'll do a review. They'll do the news segment, which I love. And everybody's just riding on Tony and back and forth. And Steve's making jokes that hit to varying degrees throughout the course of the podcast. And then you've got the whole thing, you know, the, the, usually they'll have like a topic or a short topic express at the end where they just kind of ramble on about stuff. And I like that part, especially because, uh, well, I like the news because it's kind of like news, but in a very non stodgy way, because like, oh, this, this is coming. Okay. Check mark. This is coming. Check mark. This is coming. Check mark. Like they're really kind of expand and say, ah, oh, that doesn't look interesting at all, you know, or whatever. And then they'll jump into the short topic bit. And that's, I like that because they actually have a really very smart uh, discussion about whatever topic it is. I think it was a couple of episodes ago, maybe, where they talked about, you know, player interaction and they talked about like semi co op uh, not too long ago and lots of different things like that where you can have a very stodgy kind of um, poindexter kind of conversation. But really, like a lot of that stuff, you're trying to pin down some real esoteric stuff on like what makes a thing fun. And it's really hard. And at the end of the day, it almost kind of doesn't matter uh, from the game player perspective. It's like, well, that, was that fun? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Why? I guess, well, because of this reason, <laughs> you know, but it's a combination and a mixture of things. And a lot of it has to do with the people that you play with and your friends, which is what they are. And they kind of add that like extra layer of that, of just like, yeah, that's cool. I mean, this, you know, let's, let's define this term. Oh, well, I found this other game that breaks that rule. And, you know, they just kind of go on. And at the end of the day, they're always like, yeah, that's, I guess we figured that out, but they didn't really, <laughs> but that's kind of how, you know, normal people talk. So anyway, I really like to see your cabal for that. And like, you know, it just helps me miss those people less. And, you know, it is like a group of buddies sitting around. 
Now, on the flip side, my number one is the opposite type of discussion, and that's the ludology. And that is, at least currently, uh, Jeff Engelstein and Gil Hova, but although Jeff is leaving. And gosh, I can't remember the name of the gal that's being replaced, uh, replacing Jeff, but uh, I expect it still to be good. I mean, I still like Gil and stuff, so I expect they chose somebody good. They've had a couple of hosts throughout the last several years, and I've liked it in every iteration. And this is, when I was talking about the Secret Cabal and how they discuss things in a kind of casual way, these folks really zero in and nail down like the science of fun, basically. And every time I listen to one of their episodes, I'm like, I could totally design a game right now. Like I have this, they fire up my brain with all these ideas and I'm like, I've got it. I've got a game, but I'm driving to work, <laughs> you know, I'm driving home. And then I forgot about it <laughs> like, as soon as I go in either door to work or to home. But it really makes you kind of rethink about a lot of the games that I've played or that if you listen to a lot of games that you've played, I'm like, oh, that is what they did. That's why they took out and there's only 10 cards in here and they made this into two decks or whatever, or, or the board is laid out this way. And it's just really, it's a kind of a pleasure to learn or to, to listen to. And I'm like, yeah, gosh, they, there is a lot of work put into designing these games and the production and everything. And they, and these guys do it in such a way that it's not, you know, it's not boring. It's a fun, I mean, they have fun kind of describing you the science of fun. And I really highly recommend listening to this. And I'm going to be sorry to see Jeff go. He's been there since the beginning. Uh, he was there with Ryan Sturm. Um, and they actually ended up designing a game together, which Tasty Minstrel published called Trading in the Mediterranean. And then Ryan left. He got like a, I, I'm trying to recall here, he got like a doctorate degree and he's a teacher and stuff. So he kind of pursued that. And then uh, Mike Fitzgerald came along and he was there for a while and he had some life changes. And so he moved and wasn't on the podcast. And then Gil Hova's now been on for, I think, a couple of years now. And then there's going to be a new host soon, and Jeff's going to leave. And so it's been interesting to see uh, how these folks all discuss. And they, they constantly have on uh, other guests. I mentioned Marty and Tony doing interviews. Uh, they have great guests on Ludology. And they'll bring in real kind of field experts and really kind of zero in on a very specific topic. And again, just really pin down like okay well why is this fun why did this mechanic or this sort of idea succeed whereas maybe others didn't or you know what are some other ideas that are sort of like this that also succeeded and stuff just a fantastic uh breakdown and if you've ever like want to like i want to learn more about how these games are put together and you know why they're fun or why maybe i like certain things and don't like others and like how can other people like this game uh, this style of game like who, who would want to roll forty thousand dice in a turn you know, they'll kind of break all that down. And you're like, oh, yeah, I could kind of see why somebody would do that. So that's Ludology. That's, uh, you know, my number one-ish uh, board game-related podcast. Now, I know I left some people out of that that I have listened to or maybe I do from time to time. This is just what's in my rotation. Remember, I've still got five more <laughs> podcasts to go to, which are all Warhammer-related. So this is not like a knock against anybody else. I'm not going to name anybody else that I also listen to uh, from time to time because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because that's, you know, I understand because I do this kind of stuff myself. So, but just know that there's a lot more good people out there, 100%, 100%, 100% uh, that I've left out this list. And uh, maybe throw in the comments a podcast that you listen to on anything, Warhammer or board games or anything that maybe I, I just haven't discovered yet as well. So I tell you what, let's take another quick break and then I'll do the top five Warhammer podcasts. Okay, we're back, and now that uh, half of you have left, <laughs> the other half that are sticking around, I wanted, wanted to listen to my top five Warhammer podcasts. Now this one, these are kind of in order, but not in like terms of quality, just in terms of kind of my my interest level. So the first two, number five and number four, are like 
40k related. I don't play a ton of 40k. I've played Necromunda a bunch, uh, Kill Team a little bit. I played some 40k. I mean, I've done a 40k tournament in my life, and I have a two 40k armies that, uh, well, I have one and then like a little bit of another one. And so I like it, but I like these podcasts a lot. And then the other ones near the top are more more directed towards my interest. So this isn't like terms of like what I think of their quality. And none of this stuff is really about the quality. It's the stuff I listen to. Um, so the top one is like, that's one I like will never miss just because it's, it aligns with what I'm into. But I think these are all very good quality, well-made. So if you're looking for 40K stuff, uh, these first two, number five is independent characters. These guys release somewhat sporadically. Uh, and I would say these guys are kind of like in the secret cabal kind of vein where it's a bunch of friends that seem like they're getting together to talk about. They talk a lot about the hobby part of it, the modeling and painting bit. And I really like to sit there. This is the weirdest thing. You A couple of years ago, you could have never told me, Joel, you would like to sit there and listen to people talk about different paints and ways of basing and ways of converting miniatures and listen to it. And I would have been like, that sounds super boring. But... I do like to listen because it kind of gives me ideas. It just kind of gets my juices flowing. So I would be listening to them. And sometimes I'll listen to this stuff like while I'm painting. Uh, mostly I put TV on and stuff and I'm with my wife or and stuff. Uh, you know, she's just like six feet away. Um, so I don't listen to a lot. But if she's not around or something, I'll throw a podcast on. And again, I listen to this on the way to work. Um, but it is, this does get my juices flowing. And these guys are seem to me like very good people. They've done a lot of great stuff uh, for the community. Um, and a lot, a lot of charity work and stuff. And it's, again, it, it's kind of like they're the secret cabal, I guess, of the miniature world, of the 40K world, I should say. And um, they have a good time. There, there's like some people that are play it very competitively in a tournament sense and some people that are more casual. And they kind of try to have, um, you know, a good attitude about all of that stuff. They're not super competitive all the time, which... Like, I'll be honest with you, like, I've done some tournaments, a couple of AOS tournaments in the 40K tournament. I can't stand playing in tournaments. I don't, I think, I just, it's, it gets me rattled and the, the time limit on the rounds drives me nuts. And I'm not a tournament player. I would like to play competitive and to win, obviously, because, like, why play unless you're trying to win? I mean, don't be an ass. But the idea is to try to win the game. But, man, tournaments, I can't deal with it. Anyway, that's kind of a sidetrack. <laughs> so... Um, these guys are kind of, you know, again, it's just the casual camaraderie. I like to hear it. I like to just feel the friendship coming off of them. I like the hobby talk and all that stuff. It's really good. So that's independent characters. It's very 40K focused. And they also do, I should say, one thing I really like is they get into 40K lore kind of sporadically throughout the course of a year. They really dive deep into lore and stuff. And that's nice. I like to just kind of hear that. Like, oh, okay, that's why that faction is like that. It's just kind of interesting little tidbits to sort of round out the game. So on the off chance I do go down to the shop and play against like what Dark Eldar or some orcs and stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That's that, you know he's this way because of that. So it's it's a nice thing to have. So that's number five, independent characters. Number four is Forge the Narrative, also 40k related. Uh, really, these guys are excellent uh, production. They'll do a good breakdown of the new codexes and stuff that come out. They're also very much into the lore. They do talk a little bit more heavily on the tournament scene and stuff like that. They have uh, more folks come on for interviews and things like that and involved in a, a hobby and the, in the game in different aspects. And really is just a very uh, professionally put together uh, podcast. And like I said, they do focus more on the competitive side of it. But I also find from learn, uh, listening to these guys talk, it kind of does help my, uh, I would say my ability or at least or at least like new ways to kind of look at playing these large scale games. Even though it's 40K related, a lot of the topics and sort of tactics and things that they talk about would relate to like an Age of Sigmar or any miniature game really, even a, a small scale skirmish game. And they do talk about Kill Team, you know, off and on uh, relatively frequently. And so a lot of the stuff they talk about is, you know, is sort of the tournament side of it. But I think just in general, even though, like I just said, I don't really like tournaments, it just, I feel like it's helping me kind of understand the game more. And even though it's 40K related, I, I still can apply a lot of it towards Age of Sigmar. And it just kind of understands me a little bit more of that design space uh, in terms of 
large scale mass kind of regimental whatever combat they do a really good job of sort of presenting that and in allowing me to kind of digest that and think about things in a different way because like i said this stuff is pretty new to me it's only a couple of years now i've been into this and especially the larger bigger tables full of like massive amounts of units and stuff this is a whole new headspace for me uh but these guys really do a good job of that even though it's more 40k related so that's forge the narrative now number three is interesting so the top three here these are actually all youtube channels uh, but they aren't, like I said, they aren't battle reports. They aren't just like doing reviews and stuff like that. So number three is Tabletop Minions. And this is just one guy. And he does a video every Friday. And then he does a sort of a live chat every other Sunday. And that's it. And he does a great job. He'll pick some topic every Friday to talk about. It could be hobby related, modeling, painting. It could be like attitude related, like just about like, hey, you really want to paint a 2,000-point army, well, you're overwhelmed. What's a good way to think about that? How to chop that out? How to approach it? And he does it, it's a weird way, because he does it in a very casual way in some sense, but there's definitely, like, thought process and preparation put into each of the videos he does every single week. So he'll either take, like I said, some kind of off-the-wall painting or basing or conversion technique and just talk about it for, you know, 9, 10 minutes. Or he'll talk about uh, motivation or how do you decide which army you're gonna play? Or just some kind of, you know, random topic, you know, what's the best primer, or what's this and that, and, and all that stuff. And he just does, uh, he just picks whatever he feels like talking about, but then he does it really in a thoughtful way. And it's nice because it has at the same part, kind of a natural feel like, you know what, this is on top of my head, I wanna talk about it, I wanna present it. And then he'll do it in a way where, you know, he's like, well, let me think about it a little bit, and then he'll present it to you and give you uh, a good sense. So every time I watch one of his videos, I'll be motivated to do something. I'm like, you know, I've got that unit sitting there. I wanna do that. Or, you know, I thought about starting this project for this terrain project or whatever. Or, you know, I thought about doing, and even it gets to the point where I'm, it just gets my brain juices flowing. And I'm like, you know, I wanted to do a video about that. And I'll go and do that. So it's, it's almost like larger life lessons in some way but it's not like he's not like pontificating or anything he's just he's just you know doing his thing and it's it's great and they're they're well produced and everything and he you can tell he puts in a lot of care and stuff uh to what he does and he really enjoys the hobby in a way that isn't i would say like in a religious sense he's not like about one game or anything or a certain kind of thing he doesn't really have like some kind of script that he's going through it's just basically what he's doing working through life and he's like you know what i've got an idea for some content i'm gonna polish it up and then i'm gonna present it on my friday so tabletop means is one of those kind of like light easy things like i'm like oh it's friday oh look on my subscription feed there's a video from adam and uh you know and i listen to it and then boom i'm like good i feel good now i feel nice <laughs> so that's tabletop minions uh, the number two here and these are both now age of sigmar related so very specific to my interests uh, number two is, interestingly enough, Two Plus Tough. This is a YouTube channel. And he has an awesome backlog and library of Age of Sigmar lore. Like, he's covered almost every single aspect of it. Some of the old world stuff and everything. And he really got me excited. And I don't know if you watched the channel that much, but I've been reading some uh, the lore books and all the novels and stuff for Age of Sigmar. And he really got me fired up about it. And I've dug through now... Uh, all of his lore, but every single one of his lore videos, uh, when there's like a new release or something like this past week, uh, the Skaven just came out for Age of Sigmar. So he does uh, like a week long lore series on Skaven. And that's cool because like, if you're like, Oh, I want to get into Skaven and they just came out and you nine times out of 10, this guy will either that week or maybe the week after he'll have like a five part series about like their leaders and which gods they worship or whatever. And what are the different units and how do they kind of fit into the lore? And he'll talk about new Age of Sigmar releases and stuff a little bit. You know, like if they come out with a new start collecting, it's like, well, this is good because you've got this guy and this is your battle line. You know, he'll go over that kind of stuff too. Really like him for his lore bits though. And the one kind of takeaway is he's not just like talking about the lore, like some curmudgeonly old Warhammer douche, right? He actually gets into it. And when he gets into the lore, he's like, he's not like religious about it. 
which drives me crazy. You know, you get like these Star Wars fans and 40K fans and fantasy fans or whatever. And like, well, this is the way it's been since 1972, and this is the way it's going to stay, and all that stuff, which is stupid and annoying and regressive, I guess is the right word. Uh, he'll be like, okay, here's the lore, here's the bits, here's what we know factually. And he's like, you know what I really like about this is this. He'll take like every episode, he'll be like, oh, we just talked about clan pestilence. And the thing I really like about that is X. And then he'll talk about what makes that particular unit or leader or whatever really cool in his mind and I like that I'm like oh that's cool you gave me that sort of background and sort of the facts and the quote-unquote history here's the takeaway from his perspective on why he thinks that's neat and I'm like that's really cool I like that and he does it in a way that is just very pleasant to listen to and he seems like an all-around good good fellow in that way so yeah that's really neat so that's two plus tough that's kind of my number two there and then uh, my number one is the channel is not called Warhammer Weekly. Uh, the channel is Vince Venturella, who is a amazing uh, award-winning painter. But every week, every Wednesday, him and his buddy Tom, and they usually have a guest on, uh, do a Warhammer Weekly live show on YouTube. And of course, you can watch it after the fact, which I usually do because Wednesdays are terrible for me in terms of uh, my free time. And uh, so I usually watch it the next day or the next day or two. And they'll just talk about what's going on in Age of Sigmar. It's just a weekly podcast about Age of Sigmar. And maybe they'll talk about other stuff a little bit. But it's like, what's the new news What we've heard? What's the stuff that's coming out? They'll do lots of speculation. They'll pick an army. I mean, recently they've talked to Skaven and Beast Claw Raiders. And they'll bring on like an expert. You know, maybe that's won some tournaments with that army. And so on. And then on Fridays... Uh, Vince will do like a topic and he'll say, Hey, I've been thinking about this. And it's like a little nine, 10 minute thing. Kind of like, uh, uncle Adam on tabletop minions. And he says, what do you think? You know, uh, this week he talked about the new flesh eater courts. And he's like, you know, now you can do a giant army of these giant, uh, flying bat dragons. And, uh, what do you guys think about that? And then next week will be a new topic. And then usually at some point on the weekend, I don't know if it's every week, but it seems like it is. It's, uh, he'll do like a very amazing, painting tip a very exhaustive how to do this painting thing and he has a giant backlog of those so the thing is with this channel is it's very much like if you're just new into age of sigmar or new into painting this is probably the next thing that you want to get into um and so because when they, when they do their warhammer weekly it's very assuming it's assuming you kind of know what they're talking about because they just jump in and go. They're not worried if you don't know Age of Sigmar or the lore. So if you don't really have a good background, jump in and you'll be like, what are these guys talking about? This is like inside jokes and stuff. I don't know what that means. Um, and they're not curmudgeonly douches about that stuff because sometimes you talk to people and they're like, you don't know what that means? You know, like, I don't know, dude, not my life, <laughs> you know? And, you know, these guys do just keep talking and do that. But I can, I can tell, I think, from listening that they're very friendly and amenable and stuff like that but they just jump in they're like these guys have been like in love with it since fantasy was out they just jump in and they go and they'll remember they're like remember when uh neferata was this way in fantasy i'm like no i don't <laughs> i don't i don't know what you're talking about but whatever they just keep talking and then they'll keep going so they have a good time their buddies and all that stuff uh so if you start getting into age of sigmar and stuff and you're like man i want to know just kind of all the stuff jump into it and then you'll be like oh cool i get this now and it kind of just keeps you up to date. They talk about everything. So if you're into Age of Sigmar, to me, this is like 100% like the listen to uh, weekly is the Warhammer Weekly. And then on the other side of it, the painting bit is he just, he'll go into like a technique and it, they're always sort of medium. Usually, I guess he's done some beginner stuff, um, but there's definitely better channels for like, if you're just very much beginning painting, uh, you know, I've done a bunch of hobby videos on, on stuff like that. So then there's a lot of other stuff that'll get you going. But once you kind of know what you're doing and you're like, you know, I want to try like a, a different trick with Zenithal highlighting or glazing or different things or maybe freehand and stuff. He'll zero in on those techniques. And sometimes the video is 10 minutes. Sometimes it's like 30 minutes. And he's very uh, methodical in terms of how he goes about it and how he talks about, well, you could do it this way, but maybe there's another way you could do it and you might try it that way. And uh, those are excellent videos. And you're like, God, you know, my painting is stuck. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm at a certain point and I can knock this stuff out, but I'd really like to try to try this technique out or grow and improve this way. 
and nine times out of 10, he's gonna have a video there. You're like, oh, okay, I could totally try to do that. And so it's just, for me, especially, it's been a way for me to kind of feel comfortable trying some different techniques like that. So every week he's got, uh, him and Tom have Warhammer Weekly, and then also his topic thing, and then also some kind of painting hobby related thing. So that's the Vince Ventrola, and I'll have links to all of these different things uh, in the description in terms of you know where you can find their feeds or their YouTube channels or whatever. Uh, but that is uh, all of the things for uh, this week or this month. Uh, so hopefully again, you go, you guys have heard of a new podcast you hadn't heard of or something like that and, uh, have a good month. Definitely look forward to Gugong coming out here as well as, well, I'm not going to spoil all the reviews and things, but I got some other fun stuff I'm excited to talk about. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So have a good month. Take care.